Well, I mentioned a few Wednesdays ago, if you were uh, here with us, you may remember it, uh, but about how it's been interesting as we've been going through the Psalms on Wednesdays, as I look at various resources, as I'm studying for the Psalm we're going to be looking at that particular evening, I've noticed that the the happy, the praise Psalms, the Psalms that are uh, directed to teaching the truths about who God is, the resources are abundant for those Psalms. But when we come to the Psalms that are sad, Psalms about suffering, there doesn't seem to be nearly as much available on those Psalms. Now, in some ways, that's understandable, right? Because if, if you are going to the Psalms, and as the Psalms are typically used, you don't commonly work through the Psalms as we're doing on Wednesday evenings. It doesn't happen a lot. But if you're going to the Psalms for a random sermon, or a random Sunday school lesson, or just to study something at random that you're wanting to, to find some encouragement in, which Psalms are you going to pick? The happy praise Psalms or the kind of gloomy, sad Psalms? You know, you know, we want to be happy. So often we're going to choose those that are, are the happy Psalms. So I've noticed something similar as we've been going through 1 Thessalonians. The passages like those in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 1 through 12, resources were a little more scarce, especially in verses uh, 1 through 8, uh, we looked at a couple of weeks ago. There's not as much there. And again, we can probably understand why. Uh, there are some things in there that are, are not so enjoyable to study and to teach about. But when we get to places like where we are this morning, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, the number of resources is overwhelming. To the point that the hardest part of studying for a passage like this might just be sifting through everything that's available, all of that information to try to find just the basics of what the passage is really about. Some of the commentaries that had just seemed like a few pages on verses 1 through 12 now have half the book on verses 13 through 18. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it, it seems that way. And here again, you could probably guess why. As you compare the things that are covered, verses 1 through 12, compared to verses 13 through 18, verses 13 through 18 is about eschatology, prophecy about future things. And there are all kinds of opinions and positions and debates about that subject. And some people really enjoy it. Really enjoy diving into that. Have a lot of curiosity about that. Some ministries have been devoted almost entirely to the study of that subject. To try to figure out, gather all the information that there could be. To try to understand the things that haven't happened yet. Some people enjoy that. Some people want that. But I think, for the average Christian, I think... That can easily just get overwhelming. And so, while there are some who like to dive into that and wade through it all, it seems there are a lot of other Christians who would rather just avoid it. 
entirely. Just stay away from that. They take a, we'll find out when we get their approach to future things. And again, it's understandable, right? There's so much about that that we don't know. So much information about it that we just don't know. I just want to leave it alone. But from what we're looking at today, the intention of the passage that we're looking at today, that's kind of a disappointing position to take. When you look at verse 18, verse 18 gives us the point of this passage, the point of this teaching about future things. Paul says, therefore, because of these future things, comfort one another with these words. All of the believers in the church in Thessalonica were supposed to be talking about this to each other because they were going through some things that were very difficult. They had some hard and discouraging times they were going through, but this was some information that would be a comfort to them. They needed this. This would not be a good place to just leave it alone. They needed to talk about this. Well, do you suppose there are any Christians who could use some comfort and hope today? It's a dumb question. (laughs) Of course. There are a lot of Christians who today need some hope. A lot of non-Christians need to know about the future so that they can have some hope. But this would not be something that we want to just pass by. But before we dive into this passage, I want to make sure that our expectations are where they should be about this passage. These verses that we're looking at this morning will not answer every question you've ever had about future things. So don't expect that. That's not the point of the passage. What we're looking at today will not end all debate on all of the issues related to eschatology. It's not the point of the passage. It's not the point of my message. Don't expect that. This passage isn't about satisfying all of our curiosities about the future or knowing when everything is going to happen and how the future things that will happen relate to everything else that will or may happen or are happening. And we could jump all over the Bible and try to put all the pieces together to try to come up with some conclusions from every aspect of this. But if we did, we'd be here a long time. And it would miss the point of the passage. That's not what all of this is about. So we need some hope and comfort. And that's what we find in these verses. So that's what we're going to be looking for. Some hope and some comfort. Beginning in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Apostle Paul says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. There's something specific that Paul is getting at here, some specific thing that was a source of, of concern, something that was troubling them, something they were fearful about, these believers in Thessalonica. Now, in general, the problem was, what happens after death? And what happens when Jesus comes for those who have died and for those who are still alive? Specifically, the issue in Thessalonica was something along the lines of, Paul, what's going on here? 
You said Jesus was coming back. Where is he? You know, we thought we were all going to heaven with him. We thought that we weren't going to suffer God's wrath. But some people we care about who believe in Jesus, they died. So where is Jesus? Did we miss his return? Are those who have died, even though they believed in him, are they going to miss his return? Are they gone forever? Doomed to suffer God's wrath? What's happening, Paul? This isn't the way we thought it was going to be. Those kinds of things must have been some of the questions that Timothy brought back with him when he came back from his visit to Thessalonica. And either Timothy wasn't able to answer all of their questions or these things were were so important to them, they wanted some confirmation from Paul about this. Remember, Paul had only been able to be in Thessalonica for maybe as much as three months. Some believe it was a lot shorter than that. It may have been as much as three months. In that short time that he was there, we find in places like Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5, that as Paul taught the new believers there, freshly saved, that he even got to some pretty deep issues of eschatology, future things. But since he had to leave in such a hurry, he wasn't able to answer all the questions. He didn't get to everything. They knew that Jesus was supposed to come back. Paul references that in every chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Jesus is going to come back. They knew that. They expected it. They expected it to be soon. Very soon. So they weren't prepared when it took longer than they thought it was going to. And some people died who had believed in Jesus. They were waiting for Jesus too. And now they're dead. This doesn't make sense. So what's the solution? The solution was they needed to know the truth. It's their ignorance of the truth that was distressing them. And that is often going to be the case. If we are distressed, worried, fearful... It's because we either don't know the truth or we aren't applying the truth. A true doctrine will give believers hope. The truth about who God is and what he has told us in his word will give us hope. Even about something as big as the issue of death. Even in that, right doctrine will give us hope. Death is on a lot of people's minds right now. I saw something the other day that said that dentists are having a lot more patience with teeth problems that's caused by people grinding their teeth. That's happening so much more now because people are so stressed, worried about COVID, COVID lockdowns and, and death. A lot of people are afraid. It sounds like we need some hope. It sounds like we need something to look to. It's beyond us. That's going to give us some hope. Some hope as it relates even to death. So what about those who are asleep? Word that Paul uses there in verse 13. What about them who are asleep? Now, the extent of this text, we're talking about those who have died but had repented of their sins 
and put their faith in Jesus Christ alone. For those, thinking of them as being asleep is a good way of looking at it. Because their body is just resting. And that's how we need to see it. Their body is just resting. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7-8, through 8, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now the context of what Paul is talking about there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is about how things are going to be in the future. And what he says here in verse 7 is the way we have to be. We walk by faith, not by sight. Because we haven't been in the future yet. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen with our own eyes what's on the other side of death. We can only walk by faith in what God has told us and not by sight. Verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, again, remember that context, future things. He's talking about death. He's talking about his own suffering and future death. Paul says in verse 8, we are of good courage. In the context of death, wouldn't you like to be able to say that? We're of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Did you catch that, what Paul's saying here? If he's given the option, he'd choose death. Because that means he would be present with the Lord. So from that, 2 Corinthians 5, and what we're looking at here in 1 Thessalonians Paul says there is no disadvantage for believers who have died. No disadvantage at all. And in a way, they are even in an enviable position. When a believer dies, their body rests in the grave. Who doesn't want some rest? That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Their spirit goes to be with the Lord. In the Lord's presence. That's much better than anything that we've got here. We're going to see in 1 Thessalonians that they're in an even better position for when Jesus returns than those who are still living. And knowing these things, Paul says, this is our hope. And knowing these things, Paul says, should result in that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Now notice that at the end of verse 13, Paul doesn't say, that you will not grieve, period. When a loved one dies, even if they are in Christ, with Christ, we will grieve. And we should grieve. Because we're going to miss them for a while. If they are in Christ, you are in Christ. We need to remember, though, it's only going to be for a while. We should not grieve for them as though something terrible has happened to them. If they are in Christ, they're in a great place. Don't grieve for them. Grieve because we miss them, but don't grieve for them. We'll grieve, but with hope. Grieve with hope. Now, why should we grieve with hope about something like death? How do those words even go together? Hope and death. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Paul says here in verse 14, If you believe the gospel, 
So that's what he's talking about. Verse 14 is the gospel. If we believe that Jesus died on the cross in our place to pay the penalty for sin and then rose from the dead on the third day, if you believe that truth, why, do, why are you doubting about anything else that God has said? If he can do that, he can do anything. If he can even conquer his own death, he can and will keep every promise he has ever made. It's guaranteed. He's already had victory over death. So those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, they're perfectly safe with Jesus. And Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, the souls of those who died in him are going to come back with him. As he says in verse 13, their bodies are resting in the grave. They're asleep. Their souls have gone on to be with Jesus. Okay, so the question of the believers in Thessalonica was about the future for those that have died. They believed in Jesus, but they've died. What's going to happen to them? What's the future for them? Paul says their souls are going to come back with Jesus. Well, what about their bodies? They're resting in the grave, but, but then what? What happens here? Will we actually see each other and be able to recognize each other? Or is this just a, a spiritual thing? It's kind of, it happens in theory, but are there physical realities to what he's talking about here? Well, again, all of our curiosities may not be satisfied about what happens in the future in regard to these things. But Paul puts things in order. But here's what's going to happen. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Now here Paul says, this is not just how I think it might happen. This is what God says. You can depend on this. Take it to the bank. This is what God says is going to happen. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Again, Paul is saying you believe in Jesus Christ, right? You believe in his death and resurrection. You believe that Jesus is coming back, don't you? He said he would. You believe that. Well, those who have died in Christ... They're going to meet him at his return, even before those who are alive. Now, Paul says here, we who are alive and remain until Jesus, until the coming of the Lord. Now, that could mean that Paul thought that he personally would still be alive when Jesus came back. And if Paul did firmly believe that he would be alive when Jesus came back, that means well, he missed it by 2,000 some years. And some people have taken that to mean we can't trust Paul. If he was wrong about that, then what else is he wrong about? Yeah, but that's not necessarily what Paul is saying here. He, he wasn't saying we, as in me, that I am going to be alive when Jesus comes back. He didn't know. Paul didn't know when Jesus was going to come back. Jesus said that he didn't even know while he was on earth when he was going to come back. But Paul expected that it could happen at any time. Which is exactly how we are supposed to think of it. We are to live ready. It could be any time now. It could be today. Now at that point that Paul was writing this, he was still alive. And Jesus could have come back at any time. 
Well, he hasn't yet. And even today, we don't know when it's going to be. But I could say the same, the same way as Paul did, we who are alive and remain when he comes back. Because at this point, we are alive. We do remain. He might come back today. And if that is the case, then we will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So Paul wasn't saying necessarily he knew he was going to be alive when Jesus came back. Those who are alive when Jesus comes back, they will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now here's how it's going to happen. Verse 16. Here's what to expect. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now here are some more things maybe we're curious about. But we're not given a lot of details. So there's some things we might want to know about that we don't need to know about. What we do know is this. The day is going to come when Jesus is going to once again leave heaven. It could be today, but we don't know. Jesus is going to leave heaven and he's going to come. And when that happens, there will be a shout. Now we don't know what's said, but something is shouted. The word that's used here was a word commonly used for commands given the military. It's probably something like that. Some command is given. There will be the voice of the the archangel. And we don't know for sure who that is. The only archangel that's ever named in the Bible is Michael. Maybe he's the only one. I don't know. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's not. We don't know what he's going to say. There's going to be a blast of a trumpet. And that, too, was something that was often used to give signals in the military. We don't know all the specifics of what that's about, but when it happens, it means Jesus is coming. And when he comes, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Now, if you are worried about what happens to believers who die, if you are worrying about dying, God says, don't worry. They will be the first to rise Now, that might be what the shouts and the trumpets are all about, to call them up from their graves. You remember when Jesus stood at the grave of Lazarus? He called out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came out of the grave. Could be that that's what these these shouts and trumpets are all about, to call the dead in Christ out of the graves. And what happens next? Verse 17 then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says that all these things are going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. And so Paul is here in 1 Thessalonians trying to lay out the order of when everything is happening. But they're all going to happen really quick. In the twinkling of an eye. There's not much time in between these events. Again, here's what we know. Jesus is coming. He's going to come down. When he does, the dead in Christ will rise first. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that they will receive new imperishable bodies. If you want to know what happens to the dead in Christ, they're going to be raised. They're going to get new bodies that are imperishable. They will be reunited with their souls and they will meet the Lord in the air. And then all the believers who are still alive will be caught up 
together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Those who are alive will be also changed and receive imperishable bodies. And all who have believed in Christ will be together with Christ in the air and go to heaven with him. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Now there's a word that I haven't used yet. You've probably heard it before. It's the word rapture. The rapture. Now some people say, well that word is not in the Bible, so that's an unbiblical concept. But actually the word rapture comes from the Latin word that translates the Greek word that our English Bibles translate as caught up. So if you had a Latin Bible on your lap this morning, where our Bibles say caught up, that Latin Bible would have some form of the word rapture. So that word, it is there. That idea is there. Um, The rapture is biblical, and it is when believers are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's what that word's talking about, and that's what's right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, everything about when that happens in relation to other things, that's not dealt with here. We're not told. But if anyone doesn't have room for the rapture in their theology, they need to adjust their theology because it's here. It's biblical. First Thessalonians chapter 4. It's right there. The believers in Christ will be caught up to meet him in the air. And this is our hope. Jesus is coming back. That's our hope. If you have believed in him and what he accomplished on the cross to forgive sins, when he comes back, you will go up to meet him whether you're still alive when he comes or if you have died when he comes. The same is true for all of your loved ones who have believed in Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes, they will go up to meet him in the air. You will be given an imperishable body and you will always be with the Lord. That is our hope. And with that as our hope, if that is your hope, death is not a threat. Death is not a fear or a concern, if that is our hope. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is, is writing the same kind of context about, about resurrection and rapture. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 and 55, he says, When that day comes that Jesus comes back, he says, Then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Now Paul is quoting scripture there. Isn't it interesting that Paul here is taunting death? Because Jesus is coming back. Now we think of death as as the great equalizer. Something that no one can escape. It's the one thing that's more certain than taxes. It's death. It's a scary thing. But Paul is able to stand there and say, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? He taunts death. Because in Christ, death has no sting. It has no power over us. That's why Paul told the Thessalonian believers he didn't want them to be uninformed about this. This is something you need to think about. You need to talk about among yourselves. 
These truths about our hope take the sting out of death. Now, death is, is still a reality for all of us. We have to deal with our own death unless Christ returns first. We have to deal with the deaths of those around us. And it is hard. But it's so much worse if we don't have hope. In Christ, we face death with hope. If we know the truth about it. If we know that the sting is gone in Christ. Now what do we do with that hope? If that is your hope, what do we do with it? Verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now Paul says this is not a subject to be avoided. Because it has some confusing parts to it. There's some things we don't know about it. We shouldn't just assume, well, we'll figure it out when we get there. We're all supposed to help each other to be comforted with these truths. We need to talk about this. You know how uh, you've, you've heard the, the Christians of old would greet each other with the words Maranatha. Maybe we need to do that. Maybe that would be a good practice to keep this on our minds. Jesus is coming back. Oh Lord, come. That's what Maranatha means. Oh Lord, come. He is coming. We're supposed to talk about that. Notice here in verse 18, Paul doesn't command any one person in the church to teach about this or talk about it. He says we're all supposed to comfort one another. We're all supposed to be talking about this. Everybody ministering to everybody. Reminding each other in our hard times. It doesn't end this way. Even for those who are believers but have died, it doesn't end that way. Even if it's your death, it doesn't end that way. Jesus is coming back. It could be today. The issue is, are you ready? Make sure you're ready. If you're ready, don't worry about it. His return is the answer to all of our problems as Christians. We should comfort each other by reminding each other and talking about it. Make sure none of us forget we should not be afraid because Jesus is coming back. I've mentioned 1 Corinthians 15 a few times now because it is in the same context of resurrection and rapture. The conclusion that Paul comes to there in 1 Corinthians 15 about the truth of Christ's coming for the church is this. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. What's the conclusion to this? The hope we have in Christ? Keep on. Keep on serving the Lord. Now, there might be times that it seems pretty hard to do. There might be times when it seems kind of hopeless. There might be times when it seems like it's worthless. It's not accomplishing anything. There might be times when it seems pretty thankless that nobody appreciates it. There might be times when it seems like it would just be a lot easier to give up and go on with the world. But Paul says don't let that happen because Jesus is coming back. Stand strong. Jesus is coming. And when he does, it will be worth it. Don't give up. And from 1 Thessalonians, the conclusion of all of this is to remind each other 
Life is hard. We know that. It's a lot harder if we don't know the truth. Remind each other. Jesus is coming. And that truth fixes all of the mess. Jesus is coming. Now, if anyone here realizes today that you're not a believer, that you have not turned to Jesus Christ alone to receive the forgiveness for your sins that only He can give, it's worse than just hard. Because you have no other hope beyond this life in this world. If you die in that condition, you will be eternally separated from everyone you have ever cared about and even eternally separated from God Himself and in a place of eternal torment. We've been talking this morning about hope. If you want hope, you need forgiveness. You need to see yourself as God sees you. As a sinner who is separated from God because of his sins. And believe that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for sin in your place. And trusting in him as your Lord and Savior. There's where you have hope. That's the only place you're going to find hope. And then, if you are there in Christ, dying with the Lord's forgiveness, or living until Christ's return, either option is a great option. Being absent from the body and present with the Lord is even preferable if we're given the choice. There's hope. Hey, have hope today. There is hope. It's only found in Christ. And because we know He's coming back. Now, if you have that hope, Paul's instructions for us is to comfort one another with these words. His instructions for us is to talk about it. Remind each other, Jesus is coming back. Because Jesus is coming back, that's the answer to all of our problems. Comfort one another with these words.